Hey, this is Russell, and I really love my job. I work at the video store, the one that's just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it is movie night. I love this job because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. And interesting people pop in to rent something. Each week, we can help you figure out what you could be watching on streaming platforms and out in cinemas here in South Africa. All right, let's open up the shop. How's it, dudes? Hi. Hello. What's happening? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a Monday Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it's great to stay up late. Good morning. Where's that from? Singing in the Rain. Ah. Uh-huh. Now, see, I've never seen Singing in the Rain. Well, so you know the song? Yeah. Okay, of course. Have you seen the movie? Yeah, I've watched it hundreds of times. Like, really? I think TCM's um, musicals. The TCM oh, channel I got, me into, got me into movies. I love me a musical. Oh, yeah. I love musicals. No, especially like <laughs> More that than little... More I would want to admit. That little golden era where all the, like, I don't know, mid-tier movies were all musicals. Oh, yes. Like, even the ones you haven't heard of. Like, On the Town, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, yeah. Gene Kelly, and... Yeah. Was it Frank Sinatra in that with Gene Kelly? I can't remember, but... Got all Plank Sinatra. Singing in the Rain was, like, a little bit of a, like, postmodern. I want to be cautious of using that word because we're all using it. It's yeah. like meta. It's after the thing. Yes. And uh, then it, it's a summary of like the greatest hits of musical movies before it. Hmm. So Singing in the Rain was, I don't know if it was a musical movie, but all the songs in that movie are songs from other musicals before it. Like it's like a compilation movie of musicals. Oh, really? No yeah. idea. It's so hectic. Okay. It's like it reached the end of a musical era and they made a summary movie. Yeah. Which like was about like- the talkies. Like sometimes these days they do the, the jukebox musicals. Like, yes, um, it's that idea. Moulin oh, Rouge. Oh, yes, Rock of yeah. Ages. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So good. Okay. It's so great. Um, what did you guys do last night? You went to watch a movie. Oh my goodness. Spider-Man Friends. Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. <laughs> just came out this weekend. And it's spectacular. It is hey, spectacular. Did it deliver? It is. My goodness. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. We went... On a Sunday night in a cinema filled with teenagers. So mm. was, is it holidays at the moment or are kids just going to the movies on Sunday night? I don't know. It was, it was weird. But they were fucking hyped. Yeah. They were so excited. Yes, I'm the credits, like you'll see what happens at the end of the movie. Yeah. Like people were losing their minds, like vocally expressing yeah. their emotions. I mean, okay, it is known. It is like a two-parter. So it's, ha- it's half a movie. Yes. You know. Okay. I thought so it was going to be like a cliffhanger. Yes. Exactly. It's always interesting to have the end of an arc or story arc happen. Mm. And that will continue in yes. some way. But like it felt like this was very much a cliffhanger. Ending. Yeah. But not as egregious of a cliffhanger of ending as Fast 10. Oh, we didn't no. really discuss that ending at all. We don't want to get into spoilers, but my goodness. Yeah, it was very cliffhanger Yes. Mm. It, was, it was damn It's the kind of hangary. ending that's okay in... A TV show when you're going to see an episode like a week later. Yeah, yeah you got to wait. Not a movie that you have to now. wait two years for. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. Um, okay, it's, we should get into it. We will. And yeah. I'd love to talk more about Spider-Man, but this is the animated one. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I love what it's done for animation. I think it's really interesting that it's been a rage against the Pixar look. One hundred percent. There was the first one, which was. Into, into the, the Spider-Verse. Yes. And now we are 
across the Spider-Verse. Yes. And then we're going beyond the Spider-Verse. Okay. Part three is beyond. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Very interesting. That's amazing. And it's nice that it's hitting young audiences. Mm, it seems to be. It feels like it's, it's bringing very it much a film a for new... this generation. Mm. Yeah, which is crazy because it's, it's, you could maybe just take a stab at saying this is a new generation where boundaries and borders and things are fluid far more than ever before. Yeah. And here's a movie that kind of represents that, not literally in its sexuality, but in its that's no, culture. It's testament it's to like, the kind of music that is made today where mm. it's not any kind of specific genre. Everything is very m- more fluid and mm. and yeah. all over the show. And so it's cool that movies like this come out with multiple animation styles, right? Yeah. That's kind of what makes this this style special. Um very uh sim- well not similar movie. Um a really great other movie made by the same people which is worth a shout out, is Mitchell's vs. the Machines, mm. which is on it's Netflix. It's really good. And knowing that you guys went to go watch Spider-Man, I thought of that movie. Yeah. And I just thought I would give it another shout out because in the year that it came out, which I think was pandemic time, yeah. Yeah, it was 2020, 2023, yeah. I was like, and we watched a lot of movies in the pandemic. <laughs> we did. That that was one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's really good. It is, it is so much better than people know it well nobody no, nobody talks about it as much yeah but it is it's such a great film it's yeah. so solid and one it's of the solid. one of the directors from that is doing the new ninja turtles oh the good. new animated ninja turtles that's coming out looks really good yeah the one where you said it it uh it actually makes them actual teenagers for yeah. the first time yes. ever which is like how did it take 20 uh, years yeah. to oh, get it's there. in the name <laughs> um but yeah, top of the morning, we are starting our day here yeah. at the video store. We, we've got lots to do. Um, interesting people will start coming in to the store, one of which is David Enright. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he is the director of Devil's Dorp. All right. So he's going to okay. come in for a chat. Awesome. And um, I, I, I had never gotten to know him that much before. You know, most of the people who, who come to the video store are people... We know people we have a relationship with, so it was quite cool to do this for the first time um, with someone I didn't know mm-hmm. um, and really like get to know him over the course of this chat. Um, super smart dude. And it's a, you know, I was thinking about this chat in particular. A lot of the chats we've had have been quite fun, quite silly. This one is a little more serious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but it really gets into the meat of like how you make these shows and how these shows get made. And I, th- I think it's super interesting. So it, that, that's very cool that David was able to come in and, and, and chat. Yeah, you, you've, love, see, you've seen Devil's Yeah, Dead, I'd love to listen to the episode because um, that was an exceptional documentary and also a little cool moment locally in South Africa because mm-hmm. it was a moment where everyone turned on to local content. Yeah. Everyone was talking about Devil's Dorp. Like you would go to yeah. work and people would say, have you watched it? Have you watched it? Everyone was talking about the idea that, oh my fucking God, <laughs> there is this thing happening on our doorstep yeah. in Krugersdorf, like right down the road. Yeah, it was juicy in that regard. And, and like, it just, just made such a good sort of dinner party conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it, it was very cool. And he spoke a lot about sort of knowing how to sort of raise the bar and like wanting to raise the bar for that for that I show. think he did a very good job because um, there's a really cool South African true crime podcast called True Crime South Africa oh. <laughs> um, and it's fantastic it's a really cool um, I love the way it's presented it's mm. also presented in a very 
serious way, talking about true crime, South Africa. Nice. And I just love it. It's so amazing. But the Devil's Thorpe episode, I found it didn't get into, it was very superficial in how it interrogated the people, right? right. And I remember watching the Devil's Thorpe documentary and just having an opinion on the character of these individuals. And you oh, come nice. out of it feeling like you understand a person and mm. why they did these things. Mm. Yeah. Even though it's horrifying to think, oh my, like an Afrikaans teacher, you know, mm. would murder people. Yes. Like that, that tunny that would bring, I don't know, the milk tart to the <laughs> church lunch, yeah. you know, is this horrible human being who co-opted her children to murder and stuff. It's just, Hectic. it is so wild that, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you see this in American thrillers and horrors all the time, mm. that the neighbor is the horror, yeah. right? The, the monster lurking underneath the floorboards kind of thing. But then you don't see it in, with wearing South African skin. Yeah. Right? Um, even in like the true crime sense, you don't see, no. you know, we're exposed to like the American stuff so much. Yes. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's there. It's over there. It doesn't yes. happen here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, but of course it happens here. No, yeah. 100%. Um, another cool thing that happened this week um, was we saw the end of Ted Lasso. Mm. We saw the end of Succession as well, but I don't think... I don't, none of us None of us have been watching yeah. it for some reason. Um, but I hear, I hear it's amazing, Succession. But uh, it was nice to see the end of Ted Lasso. Not to see the end, but it was mm -hmm. nice... It was nice to sort of watch it be wrapped up. Okay. Right. Um, it's a series you've been following quite. Yeah. And it's just such an endearing show. And it's one of those shows that, you know, these characters become your friends and you kind of feel <laughs> like you know them. And so it was cool to kind of, it was like finishing a good book. You okay. Know? It was like, cool. It, it sort of, it wraps it up in a, in, in the way that was fair and good to the characters and, and it's just, it's lovely. It's such a happy show. I, I don't know. I, I need so that like in my life. So like the ending suited yeah, the show. Yeah. Cool. And I think it's okay, worth good. now knowing where it ends. If you haven't gotten into it, you've got three lovely seasons. And it's a, just a great, great piece of piece of work. Is that, that's, that's over on Apple, right? It's over on Apple TV Plus, yeah. I like that it's three seasons because if if you ever want to watch something that someone else has hyped up yes. and they tell you it's 10 seasons long. It's like, uh, How many seasons is Succession? I don't know. I have no idea. But you see, those, those shows for me, like, yeah, they, they, they mean and cutthroat and they <laughs> sharp, you know, they, they cutting. It's about espionage and taking over and yeah. literally the, who's going to succeed. Hmm. I, I don't need that in my life. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, I, I apparently love that. It's, but apparently it's amazing. I love that shit. So yeah, yeah, same. I want, okay. I want, it's like the Greek tragedy and comedy thing yeah. right yeah. it's like it's Ted Lasso or Succession this week yeah. you know if you want to see the brutality of human nature and <laughs> greed and yeah. watch Succession but Ted Lasso is a comedy right it is very okay. much so no 100% yeah. it's fun and it's silly speaking of fun and silly do us wine <laughs> 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 no we're very lucky to have friends that have made um, a very cool company called do us it is good wine that comes in a box and um, they are they are lovely, such great ads. It's super fun. And over on Wine, they have given us a discount code, which is very cool. So we are nice and professional. <laughs> we are a, we're a podcast that has sponsors, which is very exciting. So if you uh, at checkout uh, use the discount code VideoStore10, you can get 10% off your Duist Wine. Lovely. I still love that dot wine is a thing. Yeah. It's tremendous. There should be a dot podcast. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be that. Yeah. 
that exists in the world. Um, but let's perhaps get into it because this is a relatively long chat with David Enright. But um, as I said, I really love it. it it's, it's, he's a super smart dude. It was great hearing how these, these shows have, have come about. Uh, you've got Devil's Door on Showmax and also on Showmax, which we talk about, is the film Stella Murders, which was his second film, his second product mm. to have come out of Showmax. All right, uh, let's get into it. This is David Enright popping in to rent something. How's it? Hey, Russell. Hey, David. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, very good. And I must say, a lot of the guests and the people who have visited the podcast have um, certainly at the start been my friends and the people I know. And it is very exciting to have you because you are someone who I've never met before. And well, technically, we've we technically have we've met, and we're going to talk about that level. now. It was the lovely people at Showmax that got us in touch um, to have you on the show to to talk about everything going on. But you are a director, yeah, and you have been behind some juicy and successful South African television. The most famous of which is Devil's Dorp. I believe so. That's what people <laughs> tell me. And, and I'd love to um, get into the thick of it, but perhaps let's just start by saying um, you and I have met before, and that was when um, the company that you work for or own, I don't know the structure, uh, which is called Idea Candy, hired the cinema like production companies do. Um, and in this case, it was to screen a rough cut of a show that you were working on. This is kind of all the information I had or knew at the time. <laughs> and usually this happens when one is wanting to screen a kind of near completed version of the movie or the show for your funders or your people who have commissioned it. And I popped my head in or I looked through the projection booth to say, well, I wonder what this show is about. And it looked fascinating. The <laughs> opening credits um, and how you guys do the opening credits. And I sort of said in passing at the end, what's the, what's the show about? And one of your um, co-workers explained it's about these killings in Krugsdorp and how they are linked to wow, that's a, that's, a, you a sort of devil, um, <laughs> some devil worship. And I just thought, holy shit, <laughs> this is going to be huge. You're very lucky to have even gotten that insight because we were under heavy NDAs at that point in time. It was an extremely secretive project. We, we worked under pseudonyms. Um, and, yeah, we uh, had to work under the radar for a, for a very long time for T this project. Yeah. Okay, so just tell me about it. How, how did that come about and why did you have to be so covert? Well, I think, let, let me maybe uh, just set the scene first, though. Um, Devil's Dorp was kind of an idea that was uh, born to... Um, Kudos to, to Showmax for seeing the possible potential in telling the story. So they got the production company Idea Candy on board. Um, so, oh, so it was their idea. They wanted to commission such a show. They, they identified it, yeah. Okay. Um, so it's not that, that you know, uh, sometimes you come with a concept or you pitch a, a show. Mm. Um, at this point, they, they actually identified it and um, had a great working relationship with the production company uh, Idea Candy. Um, who, uh, among other, uh, is run by uh, Wim Stein, the executive producer, uh, Clorinda Kurt, and um, Al Oerstein, 
which yeah. is basically then the produ uh, producer team for Devilstorp. Um, so they went through a phase of research and development first uh, with Kristen Brauberg, uh, extremely talented uh, producer. Um, we lost it to the international uh, sorority. It? No uh, longer with us. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so uh, 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 the period of research and development take place. Like, uh, okay, is there's a story? Can we tell it? Um, when exactly did it take place? Research and uh, research and development. No, when did the actual the the killings and the whole story? Uh, relatively recently, yeah. I would say actually it's quite. What we did was you know tell a story that's actually relatively recent. And it's not something documentaries actually normally do, um, but it was so. Uh, it, it was uh, uh, the Kruger store killings. Basically, was a spate of of two separate incidents in a, in a way. In 2012, um, there was this, okay, uh, a, a spate of uh, uh, killings that took place. That the media, um, because of what the police or how the police were investigating, dubbed the satanic murders. Yeah. Um, so obviously very sensational, and um, the media loves to to punt that. And the moment something's got a name, the moment it's got a something that you can hold on to and capture, then it captures the attention of people. Through a name, a moniker, um, yeah. you know that yeah. type of thing. Um, it, and also very uh, interesting ethical discussions we've had around that. Um, and yeah, and then uh, there was kind of a period of uh, yeah. So basically between 2012. Um, uh, up to the point of 2016, where another spate of, of killings happened that was dubbed the appointment murders in the Krugerstorp areas. And it was basically people from the area, normal people, doing going about their business, uh, going to for professional work appointments, being murdered. Hectic. And because there was so much media pressure around those uh, appointment murders, it really set the, um, the police in action to kind of solve these. So they put together a task force, um, and they looked into these murders and through that investigation realized that these murders are actually connected to the 2012 and, and a few other uh, murders in between. Oh. And uh, that led them ultimately to, to find out it was the, the work of uh, a religious-based cult called Electus Pideus uh, based in Krugerstorp. Yeah. A very small cult, but uh, small. nonetheless ticks the boxes. No, but it's amazing how just like one or two individuals could could sort of lead mm. lead these armies. You know, you speak of like uh, Charles Manson, and you know he never did the killings himself necessarily, but he was the one that you know got these got these followers. Um, and when were you brought on? Um, oh yeah, okay. So so when they identified, okay, they they want to go ahead with this this uh, story. Um, they identified me as a director. So basically, once um, there, sometimes I'm part of the develop, development process. I do yeah. a lot of consulting and uh, development work as well in the industry. So stuff I'm maybe less known in the public's eye, but then I also do directing. Um, uh, so Kristen Broberg, uh, we are, uh, uh, so Kristen Broberg, she, we had a working relationship uh, for quite a few years already, and she identified me to be the director of the show. And why, why do you think they chose you specifically? I've got a lot of experience in what we call public participation formats. So I work with um, the public a lot. So that entails documentaries, reality, television, okay, and even for my own sense, uh, lifestyle <laughs> formats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, or paying for my own sense, rather. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, so I've had experiences like that. Um, I've done Survivor South Africa, for example. Where you've had to sort of get the, you've had to get the personality out of the people. But that's the thing. You know, my passion is uh, is psychology and human behavior. I, okay. I consider that my hobby because I was at a young age dumb enough to make my hobby my career, so I had to find another hobby. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I like working with 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 people, telling real stories, real human stories, yeah. uh, and and finding that that um, connection uh, in 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 real human stories. So you were directing some Survivor episodes. Uh, Survivor is another beast. So okay. it, it's a very complex. Uh, it, it's uh, uh, you know it's basically South Africa's biggest show, I think. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't follow the normal model of of hierarchy and and um, designations in terms of, of mm. job responsibilities. So you don't, for example, have a director on on Survivor. Yeah. You have um, a, a producing team that runs mm. different departments, and one of them are creative. Then you have a content team. And that is traditionally where the direct, so it's a team of directors coming on board. Okay. Then and you, have, and you were one of those. Uh, I, I started, I actually started um, in the reboot phase of Survivor. So I started as a camera operator on, on season six. Okay. I was um, ca casting and, and content producer uh, on the next season, okay. casting director on season eight. Okay, and so then head of content, uh, which was a dream because actually one of the reasons I kind of got into the industry was watching Survivor Borneo. Yeah. The first one, the American series back in the day, and so like, what well, you can? Well, first the the human experiment, the social experiment yeah, part of it. it's quite a it's quite a test on on human psyche and yeah, literally the survival of it. Exactly. Well, yeah, and, and the, how the game evolved over time. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, how it's a microcosm of of, of society. Um, so yeah, and uh, so. And and I was like, you know, people can do this for a job. That's that's yeah, <laughs> crazy. That's, that's always that's always what that's always what those folk like yourself say. Like you hear the comedians say the same thing, going like, you can make a career out of this. Like someone can do this for a living. So that I mean, that's awesome. I um, and so when you were um, presented with this idea, um, how did it how did it sit with you? Well, the, the funny thing is... So the idea being Devil's Dorp. Devil, so the time of Devil's Dorp. So we, to set the scene, we've just we've experienced the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, the industry uh, shut down. Luckily enough, um, the you know people wanted to, entertainment. They wanted to. Uh, they were asking for for shows, and they weren't being made. So luckily, the industry. This is interesting. When did the show come out? Uh, Devil's Dorp. Yeah. So that was yeah. 2021. Yeah, so it was in the throes July of 2021. Uh, just as we were coming out. Yeah, because we you were, were filming during the pandemic. So we we had the full COVID protocols. Masks. Yeah. We had to have special permits to be out in Krugersdorp yeah. um, to be able to film. <laughs> then sometimes, it's amazing, sometimes for a show, the timing can just be right. Mm. That you're at, you, you come out at a time when people are more at home, are less distracted by their work and careers and you know, a show like Tiger King was just perfectly, oh, yes. perfectly yeah. timed. Mm. That it was just there when everyone had nothing to do. I think Tiger King, although I think the kind of reboot of, of uh, respect and love for documentaries kind of happened again uh, around about uh, 2015 mm. with HBO and Netflix. Um, Tiger King just kind of put it completely back into pop culture, I think. Um, it, excuse the word pop culture, lack of a better word, but um, top of mind, maybe. Um, and so it you're almost saying that a, that's a good thing that it added. Yeah, a good to, thing. Yeah, I think, so, so you're saying that through the 
the expansion of what we could watch. So through the Netflix and, and through documentary series, there was a refined and renaissance of love for that format. Not yes. ju- yeah, and not because up until that point it was mostly reality TV shows in terms of a documentary format, which uh, is tr- the trash about, version of exactly. the genre. Thinking about what what are the popular genres, which I think reality TV TV is generally considered a very extremely popular genre. So something less game showy and more observational, more telling a story, having a message. Okay, uh, yeah. The respect grew in the audiences yeah. for the for the genre. I think. Yeah. Um, it might have always been there, but it's, it, it crossed uh, broader spectrums of borders or demographic borders, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And what I think what, what um, you know, obviously it's, it's a very complex um, thing that, that took place. But I think in generally in, in the mind of audiences, there was a, a, a willingness to be open to watching, say, for example, documentaries. A documentary series, and, yeah. And again kudos to to um to channels for spotting that yeah and and under, and seeing that the potential is there in south africa now because uh, uh, traditionally south african audiences um we've always our research has always shown that it was quite resistant to documentaries Interesting. um yeah. and, and and especially then also locally produced productions yeah even generally tv shows they would be like oh it's a south african show it's sure. kind of the mindset that that we believed was out there. Mm. And that has now changed. And there's actually now a longing and a want for local content and yeah. telling our own stories. And finally, there's trust um, in wanting to do it. So for me personally... It's de- done well, which is clearly what happened with Devil's Door. It was the, done that, well. That was the thing for me. On the onset of Devil's Door, because um, I can maybe talk to... Uh, I haven't answered that question yet, but I initially said no to Devil's Door. Oh, interesting. Um, but okay. uh, when I when I was on board, I'm on, on board 100. Um, percent so, Why did you say no? I'll, I'll tell you okay. that story. Um, but I think so. For me personally, on the onset of of taking on a, a true crime documentaries, I wanted to show that first of all we can be competition to the Netflixes out of, of the just world. Just in production, just in production <laughs> uh, value, story. Yeah. Uh, Keep in mind, I don't mean to to, to badmouth Netflix, for example, but what I mean is we haven't. There hasn't been South African stories being yeah. told on that production level. Yeah. Production yeah. value level. Yeah. So I was gonna uh, say like, okay, I wanna, um, I'm gonna, I want, I want to make this a show that South Africa can be proud of. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that has the production value that can rival international shows. That was mm-hmm. really important to me. Um, and we're doing it on uh, a tenth of the budget. <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> and, yeah. uh, uh, I knew we had to, in South Africa, we have the talent. Um, it, but you have to take, just, you have to have that vision, I think, uh, in everybody's buy-in and passion. Mm. Um, and that's why the team selection was also so important. Uh, so that was one personal thing I wanted to do. I wanted mm. to almost be uh, owed to the industry in, in a in sense. Look, see, we can accomplish that, and, yeah. and a way of giving back to the industry. I, that maybe sounds really I know what you mean. No, <laughs> I know, but I know uh, what you mean. No, no, no. Yeah. Just you know, t- t- do it right and set a bar, because I think that's what we're seeing now. Like the the standard of let's just say the reality TV show competition shows. Mm where it's anything from cocktails to quick meals or, you know, mm. like the production value of those shows is exceptional. And I've got a buddy, um, I also play in a band and, um, he's the singer of our, our band and he's also in production, um, 
he's got a production, a post-production company. So he notices things that perhaps your average person doesn't. And we were talking about Drink Masters, which is the cocktail mm. reality show on Netflix. And he was like, you have no idea how many cameras they must have in that room. Because when you look at the shots, you, you realize that and it's like high key lighting and just, it's hard to compete. It's hard to compete. But, uh, that's but at also- least you've got these, these um, shows commissioning them because they've at least got the budget. And Showmax is actually, you know, it's got the budget. It can help. Oh, I mean, uh, what Showmax's willingness to, to, to take these risks. Because remember, yeah. it was a risk for them to take on a, a, yeah. a documentary like Devil's Dog. Um, if it wasn't executed properly, if it didn't have the production value, it could have very yeah. easily gone the other way. Yeah. Um, but yet they were willing to. Um, and of course, they, I think they also trusted not only the South African talent, but also the viewers, uh, yeah. which is wonderful. And, and that's exciting for, for Showmax to have taken steps eh? like that. It's like, it's incredible. Actually. I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure you'd appreciate that through watching so many of these documentaries from something silly like Tiger King to the others, like the audience is smart. They're super smart. And they, they, they can pick these things a mile away and see them a mile away. The other thing that was obviously playing into your favor is just the love for true crime and how it set the, the table for, for this, where we know we're in a crime-ridden country. And so... Part of our reality. Yeah. Part of our reality, but perhaps... Um, you know, perhaps maybe there was the willingness to not, you know, not, not um, consume too much in our own backyard. Maybe that was maybe why people didn't necessarily want certain things. But when it's a juicy story like this, people people are keen. It's like I'm sure you're monitoring the whole Tabo Besta story. <laughs> of course. It's amazing how it's just captured the imagination of people because it's just juicy. It's interesting. It's like a scene out of Natural Born Killers. They're on a run and like we caught them at the border and who's this and who's that? And they're extending this 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 whole sort of family investigation. Well, before you continue, because I think one thing you said about the audiences are, are, are clever in a way. It's also what resonates with me is the, be- the beauty of that concept is that we can now also play with layered storytelling. Yes, Devil's Door, uh, my recent documentary as well. Um, it, uh, knowing that the viewers are clever allows us to play with subtext, which yes. is extremely important. Uh, not only I think in the viewing experience, but to to um, provide an opportunity to uh, ultimately what we want these projects to do is um, develop important discussions around important societal um, uh, issues. Yeah, um, and that is not something you can always be so on the nose with. Yeah, that isn't that lives in the subtext. That yeah. has to that has to move somebody. That has to be something a viewer spotted and relates to, and it's like, oh, that's something in my life. And yes, it is an issue, and we must address it. Yeah, uh, and that is exciting for me because that's the power of the genre. Yeah, and that's ultimately its strength, um, because there's been a few times where I've watched something and gone, oh God, why am I dedicating so much time to this? This is one crazy loony dude who did one crazy loony thing but why do we care about this because it's it's just one dude and of course it's this crazy whacked out story of the dad who did this to their son or whatever whatever the story is i'm thinking of the one that's on netflix called i killed my dad oh, yes. which is such a dumb name as well <laughs> 
but it's about this kid who basically murdered his dad and unravels the the abuse and whatever. But that's one case. When you watch the other shows, like, as you said, Devil's Door, but also things like the Tinder Swindler and things like that, then all of a sudden, as you said, it's part of a much bigger discussion, which Mm. is how we interact on these dating sites. What kind of people, who are the preys, who are the predators, how do they work, how do you get susceptible to that? And then you're part of a much bigger conversation. Mm. For um, example, I mean, Devil's Door, for me, it was very important to to open up discussion around critical thinking and discernment. Um, in my latest project about um, uh, uh, called Stellar Murders, also for Showmax. Yeah, so uh, I want to get into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- that's about, uh, you know, the the impact of, uh, or, of specifically gender-based violence, what cultures are, are, are perhaps uh, um, uh, allowing gender-based violence to flourish where it shouldn't. Um, you know, what's the effect of generational trauma? Um, should we be addressing, um, you know, ideas of patriarchy? Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's actually a lot in the subtext if you actually mm. really want to, uh, I think, if you moved enough to, to kind of open up the discussions and have, have those very difficult discussions. Even if it's just with yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Internally get, while yeah. watching. Reflective. You know, you look at yourself, you look at your own actions. Um, Ruminate on it, and yeah, it's it's important process. Just to um, just just to end a little bit on on Devil's Door for now. Um, once you put it out into the world, how how was that for you? Often, often, uh, the vision of a director in that genre it's it's quite a humbling thing because perhaps what you make is bigger than yourself, in a sense that. we um, we had Sarah Bletcher on the show a, a handful of episodes ago, and she was behind the Senzo uh, series on Netflix. And they kind of purposefully didn't include the crew and promote the crew uh, in such a way that they didn't want to put you through too much, especially her, because it was this ongoing case. Um, so what was it like for you seeing this thing in the world and seeing these massive billboards across town and... <laughs> and feedback from people yeah. and and what was that for you devil's Dorp was extremely challenging show to make a uh, documentary to make i think it was aspects of of mentally emotionally um a very complex story that we had to make make digestible for the audience um where does the structure live uh is our creative execution um effective in in translating to the film language and, and then, of course, wonderful discussions around just creating it. So, but, but by the end of the process and, and working with the incredible team, and, and I mean, I had wonderful uh, editors as well, um, Nikki Komninos and Christian Skierpes. Oh, yeah, I know Nikki. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, very talented. Um, I worked with Christian Skierpes on, on Stalin Murders as well now. Um, you know, having great guidance and support um, from, uh, from our um, production company um, it's it's it is a scary and nerve-wracking thing to then put the show out there to but release. It, but yeah. we knew we had a good show yeah I, I knew I but I thought it was going to do well in the Afrikaans audience and then a little bit of the the English uh, demographic but uh but I was pleasantly overwhelmed by how it just crossed the borders of, of all demographics in South Africa um, and 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 that is that is a nice feeling. Um, although the more successful it is, the more it uh, it is opened up to criticism. 
which is always fair, but I always say nobody is as criti uh, critical about yeah. your product than yourself. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things I wanted to do, a lot of things that fell on the cutting room floor, um, a lot of things I wanted to also achieve in uh, content-wise in the show, um, but there are unfortunately limitations. So, but it was it was nice to see that all that more literal blood, sweat, and tears um, <laughs> literal blood <laughs> went uh, went into uh, did something. Yeah. I think positive. No, and I think the positive uh, th aspect of it is, of course, there's the entertainment value. Of course, there's a it, it is a bit of a shocking experience. Um, it, it it maybe makes things uh, a bit unnerving, realizing that this happens so close to home. But the positive thing for me is those conversation, and and still to, to today, that's the thing that makes me quite um, happy is to still hear people having those conversations. Yeah, and and that well, is that's exciting. also the power of the streaming and the fact that you know before you would have put this thing on Mnet or SABC and it would have played and a handful of people would have tuned in to watch it. Maybe it would have repeated itself, and then gone. Mm. So maybe those discussions would have happened and then they would have dissipated, but. With the streaming service allowing you to watch it at any point while it's on, which, of course, if it's commissioned by Showmax, it's not going to disappear anytime soon, um, that that one can just keep watching it. New people can get to it, the people that have maybe missed it at the time. Um, that, that, and isn't that the exciting? We're in an exciting era of, of streaming services, and, and it's almost like we're in the middle of a paradigm shift. Um, so who knows where it's going to go, but it, it is exciting in some form, um, what it does for the industry, but also for the viewer. Uh, I know people say like it's maybe giving us too many options or I have to now decide which uh, streaming service to go to or the content might be separated. But, but I think there's, there is potentially a lot of good and exciting um, developments coming from where we are now with streaming services. Sure, and I, I just love the... I'm, I'm, I'm obviously sitting with the Bioscope at the center of this, this, this stuff where you hear the one group of people saying, we have to tell our stories. And it's usually at the opening speech of a festival. And it's a lovely thing to say. It's a lovely thing to just, you know, of course we want to tell our stories. How do we? Who commissions it? Who mm. pays for it? You know, can we get it done? And then after, as you said, all of that, are people going to watch it? So it's great when it does happen, yeah. and it's great when when the magic in the in the in the lightning in the bottle comes together, and it's it's just entertaining enough so that it's not too much of a drag through the mud. Mm. It's just as interesting enough that someone could perhaps watch it from overseas and find it interesting, but it's also local enough to be relatable. So it's just it's great to have been a part of that. Um, and well, also the bias group to play its tiny little part by yeah. by sort of seeing it. Well, and I want to I want to talk about the uh, the uh, the part that the bioscope played. So so please remind me. But maybe before we go there, I have two uh, unanswered things first. But you mentioned you know, or you asked me how I felt when. So you kind of putting your um, your creation out there. Yeah. Uh, the analogy I always use, and I think it might be applicable with with you being in a band as well. Um, I, the analogy I've often used to people say that, you know, the, we, uh, the similarities of a production, uh, a, a, a visual production, is almost like what a, what a band or musicians do. Yeah. Together, a group of musicians creates a song um, 
in in a in rules or parameters set by them in the genre etc and then they create a song that um was their passion project and then they put it into the world and you've also used this term it becomes much bigger than them mm. i think the power a song for example has the power to save a life i i honestly believe it sure and um big but but you know sometimes the musicians never thought of that happening it, it yeah. because it became bigger than them it has a it played yeah. at the right time for a As person yeah. uh, it, it, uh, how they experienced that song um uh, separate to knowing who the musicians are or 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 um you know or it was the song first um the emotional experience of the song um but, first the words interesting how do we pronounce your surname in right in right like so, left and right yeah so <laughs> You, but when Devil's Door came out, it's not like there's pressure, like this is the new David Enright. You you are often, the, well, the directors behind these shows are often not as well-known as the shows. Mm. So it must have been quite an interesting experience to, you know, you walking through a, let's just use a Woolworths, for example, and nobody knows, <laughs> and everybody could be talking about Devil's Door around you, and you like, I directed it. Yeah. You know? uh, or going to a restaurant and you hear the table you next to you or two tables uh, from you talking about, holy crap, the crook is sort of killing. Did you watch Devil's Dorp? And I'm like, hey. were you <laughs> Were you experiencing that? Uh, yeah, maybe once or twice. But it's I mean, lovely. Yeah. No, it's great. And yeah. it's nice. Perhaps use the, bi the bioscope and, of course, now the video store through that to, to help share those stories and who the people <laughs> are behind it. Um, well, I think so, but and ultimately, so I think that's also kind of what Devil's Door did. So it, you know, it got its own wings, and it it's hopefully flying and soaring, yeah, um, uh, because it becomes bigger than its creators, yeah. Um, but so the but the role the bioscope played was yes. a very strategic one. Okay, let's hear um, it. And it was a very exciting one. So uh, for those who haven't been to the bioscope, it's a it's a beautifully boutique cinematic uh, cinema experience. Okay. Um, it's it's comfortable and cozy as you walk in, uh, and it's uh, it's like a very wonderful nostalgic feeling sitting inside the cinema. So we we had an awareness of of uh, um, the bioscope, and at that stage we were yeah we were in the rough cut stages of of, of uh, editing Devil's Door, and it was basically we had I don't know why they had so much trust in us, but we had wonderful autonomy. Uh, in creating Devil's Door, and to the to the point where okay, um, Sean Max was like, okay, cool, we just have to kind of start seeing where, where you guys are at and mm. and how, um, you know, how's the edit going. So the heads of Sean Max and um, the important role players uh, wanted to have a viewing. So we said like, yeah. okay, cool, well, we want to also b give them a the best possible viewing experience, and we don't feel that the edit suite is going to justify no, it's that. Not. So we said, okay, cool. Well, um, it's worth spending the money, uh, hiring out the bioscope, uh, even though we're just going to be seven people. <laughs> and yeah. we show uh, the important people at uh, Showmax where we are at with Devil's Door. And I, so a good thing and a bad thing about it is we had really positive feedback during it, but we don't know if it was the viewing experience or if it was the show. <laughs> so we had to analyze, okay, what did they really like the show? Did they like the environment that they want to show in? Um, and uh, yeah, the feedback was, um, uh, was set, uh, basically set uh, a great mood going forward that we know, you know, they also have their buying and support and they like where we're going. Um, 
yeah, so that kind of gives you that extra, I guess, impetus to to. And it went well. Going. The view, the viewing went well. The viewing went well. So thanks, Good. Russell. Thanks. Glad. I'm glad we could yeah. play a part. <laughs> um, tell me about Stella Murders, yeah. which is the that's the new the new one. Yes. <laughs> Oh, but I, I also never answered you on the... So, I yes, I've initially said no to doing Devil's Talk. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you would want to hear that. No, uh, wh why? Yeah, why? Oh, so it what was, was the, your apprehension? It was the pandemic. I was yeah. lucky enough to still have work um, into the pandemic. And there was obviously... Then there was a period of a complete shutdown. But let, slowly the film and television industry started uh, opening up again. So, um, we were a, a show that was on hold then got activated again. So I actually had a, a long-term job. And it was at that point where uh, Kristen then phoned me. It's like, listen, um, we want you to head the new true crime documentary series. Um, and I was like, oh, sure, that's thank you. It's really, thank you for thinking of me, but I, I have this other job now. Mm. And she's like, okay, cool, 100% on brand. I know you're very loyal, um, but okay, uh, I think... Like we wanna, really want you to be like going to want to be involved. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, uh, okay, cool. Give me the weekend to think about it. So I told my wife. Now, my wife is a big truth. In fact, I tell people, don't thank me for Devil's Dog. Thank my wife for oh, Devil's Dog. Yeah. Uh, she's is a she huge, the advisor. She's a huge true crime fan. And it's ironically in the, in the, in the um, lockdown period that uh, allowed us to listen and consume a lot of true crime. Does she by any chance watch or consume um, murder in makeup. Do you know what that is? Okay, you must tell her about this. Okay, I'll, I'll check with her. It, but started I, as I Facebook, so, yes. it started as Facebook videos where this woman, while she takes, because I think you would know this if you have a wife, um, a woman could take a good 30 minutes, 40 minutes to just do their makeup and hair. And so there's a woman who, I forget her name, but it's called Murder in Makeup who just sets up a camera while she does her makeup, and she, she's an expert makeup artist, and she literally just tells this captivating true crime story. So she obviously does her research, but she sort of tells it quite juicy. Oh, and then this guy showed up, and she's busy like, you know, we'll doing her blush and her <laughs> mascara, and she's like, and now he came and he did this, and it's juicy, and I've often watched it over like a girlfriend or... Um, you can admit it that, you, that you're watching it. No, and then <laughs> after a while, you're like, I'm totally into this. It's yeah. the whatever, whatever murders. Of, and of course, America's got all these juicy, you know, crazy stories, just like satanic killings and Krugersdorp. What is happening in America? <laughs> oh, Jesus, it's so broken in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's very cool that it's kind of hit this sensibility that mm. perhaps is a bit more um, of a female sensibility, which is wanting nuance and the juice and the gossip and the and the enticement of it um so that's cool so she played a big part she was like you got to do this yeah so she basically said like listen i support you whatever and um you know you've been living a dream doing shows like survivor and whatever and, and uh, again i'll always support you but i really like true crime <laughs> and we've got to tell the story somebody's got it someone's gonna do it someone is gonna do it yeah and so it's a little bit like the bioscope. Someone was going to start this kind of cinema. Mm. And we thought it could be us. It could be us. So for you, it was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I get this chance. Okay, yeah. that's cool. So yeah, uh, and then, oh, so Monday morning, uh, on a phone call again. So okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. it. I'll just have to have difficult conversations somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, one other question, which was, why did you have to be so covert when you were filming it? Why did you have to use aliases and? Yeah, uh, first of all, access to um, to certain people. Uh, there were um, there were international interest in the case, and we actually had to make sure that we bought certain licenses beforehand um, that they don't they didn't uh, um, basically grab any exclusive interviews before we did. Luckily, we just uh, had a really good in. Um, we, at that time, already we had a good relationship with uh, important uh, um, uh, members of the SAPS. Uh, Jana Marx was on board, who, who wrote the book. Uh, we had uh, licensed her uh, book by that time already as well, uh, an okay. exclusive agreement. Um, and then it was not uh, to not let anybody find out that it's being made. Because um, it could startle other people. And it could chase people away uh, and I, I'm, I have a very strict uh, protocol so uh, when when engaging with, with sensitive um, topics and and especially with certain people so it's uh, very important for me to to dignify the the victims um, so mm. it was, uh, and I feel only certain people have the right to tell the, uh, the, the give back the voice to the victims and that of course is family members and, and you yeah. always want to get as close uh, and first hand story telling that you can so my protocol is strictly that you know I do the interviews I engage with them uh, I go to meetings at coffee shops with them I, I speak to them on the phone um, so yeah like and because if 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 you can't control that, then you can very easily chase them away. Interesting. Um, they yeah, have to understand to the of, value of the You had project. to become their friend or sort of a confidant. You had to make them feel at ease. A trust it's a, relationship. It's a, it's a relationship. And you have to give them the respect, no matter who they are. Because otherwise, as you said, even if they don't literally disappear, they might disappear in the interview. They might mm. not give you what you want. Well, I mean, so that's I, interesting that you put that you put so much of your... Yeah, so much of yourself in that. You, you do, but you have to. And I think it's the, it's the only way that a show like this is successful. Otherwise, it's just news coverage. Yeah. You want to get to... You, yeah, then it would be quite hands-length yeah. away. And did it keep you up, I uh, imagine? The content... Were you, ha were you haunted by the people? Strangely the enough, the, the, the... You could sleep at night? Not content-wise. Um, uh, I mean, very early on, uh, I, I've never been uh, affected... I can, I can compartmentalize yeah. uh, gruesome imagery and all that very well. Um, yeah, so you have to kind of become an expert on the case. Um, but very early on, and I think my help and my interest in, in doing a lot of reading and research on, on psychology demystified the people of uh, Electus Padeus uh, uh. for me. Mm. And I've had the opportunity also to speak with, with them. Um, so... Um, yeah, so I, in, immediately as I heard, uh, okay, this is projection, this is manipulation, uh, it was textbook. So then obviously oh, it, it destroys all power that they could possibly have uh, over you. So that's the one thing. For example, one of my, I tried to minimize the filmmaker's agenda in my, in my projects, but I had one agenda, and that was the media used a description of um, Cecilia Stein, for example, as being a mastermind. And I said, that is not true at all. Interesting. Um, I you wanted to take some of that knowledge and, and manipulation away. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I think I the wanted to demystify it. it. And I was uh, very careful to not also put them on a pedestal, I think, because that's also where mm. we're heading. That's the ethical responsibility we have in true crime. 
So, for example, with her, I, I allowed the word mastermind once in the documentary purely because it was part of the uh, state's uh, case mm. um, to to uh, basically involve her into the crime. Because remember, yeah. she didn't actually commit the physical act of murder. Yeah, similar but she to, was the, the cause to the Manson, the Manson yes, exactly. effect. Yeah. Um, and so, so I always say she was good at finding people she could manipulate. Yeah, well, that's uh, what but makes she a wasn't great a good leader. manipulator. She can't walk into this room and uh, and manipulate us. Yeah. Um, but she she can spot the people she can. And I guess yeah. that is that is what cult leaders may actually do. Yeah. Um, it's not that they can convince everybody, but those that they can. They know who they, they can yeah. convince. Interesting. So. Okay. Um. So so what is what is um stellar murders. So, so I, I can admit to the fact that I, I know of it, I see it, there's a couple of billboards up, I'm, I'm keen, sell it, sell it to me. <laughs> sell it to you. Well, I work in TV, so I work in Jeopardy so I, and Suspense, so I'm yeah. still not going to talk about Stellar Murders. i tell you why, because uh, I can give you an exclusive. Okay. Nobody has ever asked me where the name Devil's Dog comes from. Ooh. And and that's one thing uh, which people just assume. Oh, it's, we made it up because it's uh, it, we talked about religion and Satanism and the devil. Yeah. Uh, and it's Kruger's Dorp, and so we were yeah, just yeah. being clever with the name. Um, but actually, not. Uh, I, I every all my creative choices um, come. I try and take from the universe. So even okay. in research and development, uh, uh, they established that they found the term Devil's Dorp. And then I went further to actually find where, where that um, comes from or where it originates. So we found uh, British um, uh, newspapers yeah. where they reported on what was happening in South Africa. And they, the British media back in the 1900s, so it's like a new, one newspaper clipping I found of 1901, for example, gave... Kruger's door back then already. So oh, more than wow. 100 years ago, the nickname of Devil's Door because of the rowdiness of the boor um, of that time and of course uh, 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 off the back of the Anglo-Boer War and all of that. Um, I didn't know Kruger's Door was even that old. Yeah, I guess yeah. the start of the... Of the start of the gold rush. Is, the gold is rush Kruger's was kind of early 19... Yeah. 19 whatever, yeah. Mm. Joburg was 1880. 1886 was kind of the start of Joburg. Okay. So you can thank the the, the so the term so actually comes from that, the. So you found that in in clippings, and so you found that this term had been coined from as early on as that. It was a consideration to to make it a content piece of of Devil's Dorp and does it have because we explored the satanic panic that filtered from uh, America into South Africa as well. Yeah. In all, I think. Uh, uh, yeah. So so oh, cool. one of the uh, uh, consideration was also you know was it almost like destined, but um, but it. Uh, of course, you had to make very difficult decisions and what to cut. When, but when did the name, when in the process was the name attached? Yeah, so initially we called it Project C, is the, was the working title. Sure. But then very early on, we, um, the you were, Devil's Dorp term came, okay. came about. It became obvious, it yeah. sort of named itself, so to speak. Almost, yeah, in a way. Okay. Yeah. The um, same thing from uh, like the uh, you know the installation art piece we did. Yeah, it's of the all, intro. It's everything that hangs from the universe. Um, so, uh, it, you know, oh, so every, that's what every you mean item, by the universe. Yeah. It sort of it just existed out in the. That that's almost a literal co construction of the universe. So the, this warehouse is Kruger's door. Mm. This uh, this rubbish that's hanging from it is uh, is 
items taken from each um, story element. The wig that Michaela wore when she was mm. at her first, when Zach committed his first murder. Um, the type of gun, the type of knife used for murder. Yeah. The, the satanic dolls in Kubis Jonker's um, uh, dissertations. Um, so these are uh, all items from the universe because it's this artificial universe that Electus has created in Krugersdorp mm. and how they manipulated perspective. Mm. So that's kind of the really creative license uh, device that we that we kind of tried uh, to portray with that. Um, so I know there's a lot of criticism around uh, the symbolism and the use of the symbolism and, and all of that. Um, part of the uh, part of our, our approach was also actually to bring in uh, the the satanic church, churches and have them just kind of clarify and demystify it. But again, yeah. we just didn't have the time. Yeah, so it comes back to, it's this world, this universe that Electus Bidet has created. It's the, it's oh. the symbolism from Know Your Enemy, yeah. um, the, the symbolism that, that uh, Cecilia forced down on her cult, for example, yeah. uh, what they played with, uh, what they considered is uh, the evil and good, yeah. um, or the perspective of it, rather. Yeah. So yeah. So that that's kind of my. It's maybe it just. That's so what you brought in a way. That's what you. Well, that's my approach to I think. Yeah. Um, to to documentaries is I I try and take from the universe. Yeah. Um, and and let that guide my creative uh, output. I yeah. Guess. Uh, you say you don't want to talk about the Stella murders. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was just keeping it suspense. Okay. Yeah. So so Stella murders is the uh, latest um, true crime documentary for Showmax that that uh, I've been involved in. Um, what's interesting is I actually I actually tell people that it's maybe not a true crime documentary. It's actually a documentary. Okay. Because as we uh, initially there was um, uh, you know very interesting connections we had to the case. It was a big case in the media. Um, it it had important topics. Uh, basically, that was developed between this uh, confession versus denial aspect of the of the case. What is the story? So, uh, so Stella murders is about the two murder, uh, the the murders of two young teenage girls called uh, Charnel um, and Marna, uh, Charnel Hoog and Marna Engelbrecht, okay. in the hostel of Stella, a very small cattle farming community in the northwest. I'm talking okay. really, really small, blink and you miss it community. Yeah. Um, hostel being uh, students. Uh, yeah, a, a school school hostel. Um, so what's unique about Stella, though, is that uh, if you you must understand the region that it's uh, farming lands. So these these dotted communities very far mm. from each other, and they connect in these and uh, little town square. Exa town, exactly. Towns, yeah. So Stella has what's unique about them. They have a combined school, so a primary and a, and a high school. Mm. Um, and because the children then come from. Uh, faraway places or the farms they have to drive far there's a hostel for them to stay at yeah probably during the week and then maybe they go home on weekends correct or, yeah and okay uh, so, so they were in high school or primary school how, uh, high school yeah so um, Marna was 16 and Chanel was 17 when they were murdered and, okay. and what and makes the what makes the story interesting well, uh, well I think first of all that it happened in a in a in a small town South Africa okay um, where there's a perception of safety Okay. More so, I guess, just generally than, than what we would consider in major cities. Yeah. And then second of all, in the place where parents think their children are safe, in a yeah. school hostel yeah. um, uh, is where the physical murder was the scene of the crime. And then there was basically shock after shock that they realized the, 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 what they've always feared, 
the this outside uh you know even us as filmmakers coming in uh, how much resistance we had to face uh, it's inherent in insular communities i think yeah. uh, unfortunately but it's a, it's a way of protecting themselves and sure. kind of, because they share this kind of culture um so uh, realizing that the that the that the murders were committed not from the outside but from somebody inside of their community and you must remember these communities are really tight because tight yeah you you know it's one thing if you a disgraced businessman or a the town drunk you know um maybe there's a handful of people in that community where you're like don't want anyone to die but kind of saw that coming or that makes some sense or he was dodgy or he was fighting with the farm next door and things got out of hand but yeah i guess the the big question there is why would two high school girls be killed yeah so i mean it, it's a it's a much if you if i think the the problem i always knew um we were going to face is it was going to be compared with Devil's Door. So, yeah. um, I, so it was very important for me to give Stella Murders its own identity, yeah. to do the story and also then specifically uh, Charnel and Marna uh, to do their story justice, um, to dignify their, um, uh, to, digni you know, to give them back their dignity and, and back their voices. So a victim-focused approach is always very important to me. Um, so do we get some closure in the, in the show? Very good question. Okay. Because um, well, I, I think, um, yeah, so, so, why, uh, so, so in other words, I guess what I'm saying is uh, Devil's Door was a sensational, um, um, perhaps shock of the shock experience mm. where, where Stella Murders is a very raw and emotional and, and open and honest telling. It's what I tried yeah. to, to get right with it, um, to do their story justice, the story of Shanala Mana. Um, so Were they friends? They were best friends. Okay. And yeah, and then it, it's the shock of the the murderer. Uh, it's not a shock who the murderer is, but it's what he did then ultimately afterwards uh, okay. during the court case. Uh, so I'm, I'm speaking a little bit vague because I don't. No, we want to be vague because yeah, we don't, don't want to give anything anything. away. Okay. But then then it's the exploration of. Um, so we we did purposefully decide not to tell certain aspects and and and. and um, conspiracies around the story mm. but because it became important to understand what was the impact then on such a small tight-knit community yeah. and, and then specifically also on the families yeah. that don't have access to an outlet perhaps for this type of trauma and grief and um, so it became two things it became to understand this impact yeah. the question arose that is closure even possible for people like this the answer is 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 sort of answered, yeah. but there's a glimmer of hope, yeah. if I can be sort of vague. Uh, you, uh, I think you yeah. want to understand it if you watch it. Yeah. And then on the, other, on the other hand, it was a, it was a very personal journey. Um, very interesting thing happened for us as filmmakers. And again, I was quite strict on how I approach um, the protocols in terms of um, working with role players. Um, so... By role, by role players, you mean the key people you needed to yeah. tell the story, the, the parents? Or including, the... including the family members of okay. Chanel and Marna. Yeah. And, um, and so oh, we would go and see them. That must be a tough thing. Because, eh? sorry, I want to touch in on something. Um, something like Dharma, the Jeffrey Dharma thing, yeah. and there was that recent Netflix thing that broke it open again. So for many, it was like, oh, you, the story is now being told. But what you don't realize, especially for the families, yes. is they're like, oh, no, this is a wound that has never had the chance to heal. 
And this has come up over and over and over again. And now on an even bigger level because it is Netflix. And so the whole world is hearing about how our daughter was murdered or eaten or something horrendous. But that, so that's they have to relive think. this. And so there's an ethical responsibility. That's why I say there's an ethical responsibility that comes with true crime. And yeah. Making true crime content. No, and, and, and obviously that's so that's your focus is, is how you how you approach these families and treat them with care. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and I think to have experienced uh, a process where they have found an outlet through us being involved in it. Yeah. Because I always say like, because uh, people ask me and say like, well, you're opening up new wounds. But I say like, sometimes you have to open up a wound to he make it heal pro properly. Yeah. Or you have to open up a wound to get the splinter out. Mm. That is what therapy is, for example. You know, the, sure. um, what do you think happens in therapy? I'm mm. not saying what I do is is on the level of psychologists, for example, but but I'm aware of the process and I take it, uh, I take it with, um, uh, you know, I, I put a lot of um, importance, I place a lot of importance on it mm. and I, I take it on responsibi uh, responsibly, I, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I do a lot of effort in terms of making the process easier for them. I, I take a, do a lot of effort in debriefing them. Mm. Um, we, we monitor the situation to see if there's assistance that needs to be given or not. Um, and yeah, so sometimes, you know, you set emotional boundaries, which I did on Devil's Door, for example, but on this one, you kind of cross the boundaries. So it's then it difficult. does take an emotional it's toll. It's difficult because you, for example, something as simple as your character on camera starting to cry, you know, there's two things that are happening there. You're like, I have to protect this person's emotional state, but them crying makes a good scene <laughs> do you know what i mean it adds yeah. it tells the story well because everybody watches that and, and when when you see a character break down you you break down you see you know well but um, i think uh, in, it makes for it makes for a better scene but and but you have to tow that line oh yes yeah, very line, carefully yeah. and always but because i see it as um I, I see that moment as vulnerability. Yeah. So in no, other it's words, it's trust vulnerability. and vulnerability, and, and and so I am very appreciative that they give that to me. And then and then them seeing cuts, like um, them seeing. But, but I mean, what the process does, because that's the big, very important philosophical questions we have pre and during production, and you know we've had a lot of with the production team driving dodgy dirt roads in the middle of northwest, uh, in yeah. the middle of nowhere, will. Um, crying our eyes out, saying like, "We are we doing this for the right reasons? Are we seeing um, a, a, a positive outcome?" Yeah. Um, and and having difficult uh, conversations. Uh, you know, we were lambasted by the uh, some members of the community, and um, we were threatened by rifles, for example. Really? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, to some degree. Uh, on the other hand, we also had wonderful engagement with some of community members. Mm -hmm. so it's not everybody. I can't generalize. So it was very important for us to show the doubters uh, that they're wrong, mm -hmm. that there's power in it. And one of the power of, remember, we have to take it a step further. If, if they allowed themselves to show vulnerability to me, and I translated that respectfully and responsibly in, onto screen, mm. that pulls powerful empathy in the public's eye for them. Yes. So in other words, and what is empathy? It can be support. Um, uh, so in other words, that I believe that somehow that empathy and support does filter back to them, their mm -hmm. communities, 
Uh, mm. Already uh, knowing and still being in contact with some of the family members, knowing mm -hmm. what they've experienced and the, 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 just having a new little bit of lease on life. Yeah. It's, it doesn't take the pain away completely. Yeah. It's not a magic pill. But, but they it, get to tell the story. Yeah. There's slight improvements every time you, you go know, back. You know, there's that expression, history is always told by the winners. And so in that regard, um, it's nice when someone can take the power back and, and actually get the chance to tell their story with some dignity. They take their power back. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And to something from as serious as this to something perhaps a little more frivolous, like mm -hmm. um, the Pamela Anderson documentary on Netflix. It was great to have her go... This is what was going on. You saw me as this bimbo, just boobies and, you know, blonde hair. But I had a family. I had kids. I had, you know, this was my dignity and this was how this affected me. And and you get to see the human. You get to have her tell her story. I don't know why I'm all of a sudden talking about <laughs> Pamela Anderson from well, something that's serious. But, no, but it's the it's the chance to, to give dignity and respect. Yeah. And sorry, that's what. But I mean, went to me first, but, we, but that and we is humanize. the power of it, and to humanize, yeah. Uh, I mean, there is to a paint big them risk. as a as a three D um, person. Exactly. Now. Um, what? Uh, here's a sorry, just a little aside. Now is um, what? What kind of stuff are you watching? What kind of stuff do you consume? <laughs> it's a it's something we you know we like to talk about on the show. Is what yeah. what kind of current stuff or what 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 do you guys watch? Obviously, with your wife, do you have kids? I don't have kids. Uh, okay. It's just me and my wife uh, at this stage. Because I'd imagine if you did have kids, something like a Stella Murders might have even... Look, I'm away from home you, a lot. Yeah. Hit you, well, but, no, but I'm oh. just saying, like, if you were a dad, oh yeah, um, your approach might have even been injected with even more emotion. Well, I mean, uh, I think that's the thing I've experienced with Stella Murders. Um, I mean, uh, we can please go back to your question about what do we watch, but... For Stella Murders, and, and what's beautiful to have heard, that everybody has related to a different person almost yeah. um, in, in their life experiences. Even if you don't have your own child, you've got a niece or a nephew. Exactly. Or, a, or you someone. understand, perhaps, uh, you understand what a father can go through there. I think there is a, a sympathy element. You you have a family members that went through something similar, so um, the, the moms uh, resonate with you. Yeah. Um, I went through the loss of a of a family member the same age as me, yeah. um, and also have that comparison of milestones in your life yeah. um, being yeah. reflected on, and and that's for example the sister of 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 Marna Engelbrecht, um, Ren, uh, Renee, yeah. um, which is kind of builds to this beautiful end scene um, of Stella Murders. Um, yeah. How many episodes is it? It's a feature, so it's a oh, is it a feature. Film? Yeah. What made me think it was a show? Okay, sorry. So it's a film. Yeah. So it, it, it does feel, in that case, more as a documentary um, than, than a sort of, yeah, treating it a little differently as an as, as a episodic TV show. Yeah. Oh, magic. Okay. I, I want to watch it now. <laughs> I'm very, I was never not going yeah. to. I was very excited to meet you, and I obviously knew about Devil's Dorp, and I knew that Stella Murders was the new... Um, production but sometimes it is easier to watch a film um, it's less of a it's less of a commitment mm. um, where perhaps some people may may approach with trepidation thinking mm. this is going to take a while I and it usually I doesn't <laughs> you usually binge it so quickly and you watch the equivalent of True. it's like, interesting that psychological decision making <laughs> and fatigue that we have to deal totally. with totally no and people oh. would go I, I wouldn't watch a three hour movie you know uh, Justice League, Snyder oh, yeah. Cut, or, yeah. 
you know, the new Scorsese. Apparently, the new Scorsese is going to be three and a half hours long. Wow. The killing of the moon or sacred moon or Interesting. whatever it's called that, yeah. with DiCaprio. Uh. But your average dude sits at the couch and watches for longer than four hours. Yeah, look, I would never want to make somebody watch uh, the Granted documentaries I, I've done, for example. Uh, but with Stella Murders being is a, a big emotional investment and it, and can rock. Um, oh, that's weird. I know uh, what you mean. Yeah, it, 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 it can it, affect you emotionally. Yeah. Um, especially if, if you've experienced, um, um, I think, uh, uh, leveling degrees of, of uh, trauma in, in your own life. But, mm. but, but therein, I guess, is a very uh, unique opportunity. I always said, like, uh, you know, we've been through a lot as a country mm. and, and, and Stella murder, and we kind of need a good cry right now. Yeah. And that's, what, that's why I would say, you know, watch Stella murders, because I do believe that there is power and, and, and something cathartic that comes from a good cry. Oh, yes. Um, and then, of course, there's the empathy levels and, and discussion can come we, from that. But um, we, have a, yeah. we have a night at the Bioscope <laughs> called Ugly Cry Night. Yeah. And we give you a pocket pack of tissues and an ice cream. Great. Our next one is going to be for Mother's Day. I should start an ice cream business. That's yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, so because of all this emotional, perhaps heaviness, um, do you counteract that with what you watch, or do you dive more into that world? What What kind of stuff do you watch? Or what I, are you watching at the moment? I do. I, I do try and keep track of my mental health. Um, mm. So I, uh, when I do feel a bit overwhelmed because consuming too much true crime. Or documentaries can be a bit, can be yeah. a bit much. Um, so yeah, I, I try. I, so I do enjoy light-hearted or mindless entertainment. Um, I do have a I do have a liking uh, of like uh, uh, reality television. I guess it's sure. also important to play why because uh, I, I I do a lot of reality television as well. Um, but it, it does vary and it comes in stages. Mm. Interestingly enough, when I'm on a project, so when I was doing Devil's Door and when I then um, was on board on um, oh, when I was uh, directing Stella Murders, I actually, I, I do go into a bit of a viewing bubble, uh, a bit of a bubble, exclusion bubble. Yeah. Um, so, because I don't want other documentaries or, 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 or shows to affect necessarily. What's going to be your own vision. Yes. And, and, and this project. And because and, I, I always want to, I, I always say the project is my boss. Yeah, uh, I want to do justice to the project, to the show, to the documentary. Mm. Um, so, so, but oh, then afterwards, yeah. before is when I try and get all the um, the, the the creative uh, inlet and and uh, watching viewing experiences. Um, so yeah, I think a, a documentaries as a genre, not necessarily just true crime, documentaries in general um, are, are wonderful. We're in an exciting space globally currently so i enjoy it i like to see and, and then obviously compare what other people mm. are doing um i think there's some beautiful documentaries uh out there um but uh, yeah like i said i enjoy reality television and we can maybe go into specifics but mm. uh, uh, uh some of my watch lists can be a bit embarrassing uh, <laughs> it's okay if you're gonna say love is blind <laughs> we've spoken about that I, i've done format developments for for dating shows you yeah, know, yeah. I remember we have to remember the context is that um sometimes you also do the job as work yeah, and yeah. dating dating shows from this to uh, handle love is blind the, it's the bread and butter yeah. of, the, of yeah. the film industry people the want the industry. dating shows yeah. so we actually worked with israeli um um uh, format holders to to develop uh, uh, certain formats. For example, I've done it locally. Um, 
But okay. yeah, so now I think the the dating shows is, uh, is out of my viewing experience okay. currently because I'm okay. a little bit jaded by that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then uh, movies, of course. Uh, I've just actually recently only got an opportunity to watch the new Bat the Batman. Oh, cool. Um, uh, so and, and 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 oh, music is so important to me. Um, mm. uh, the audio experience, um, and uh, I've been so so lucky in Devil's Door and in Stellar Murders have been given the opportunity to uh, uh, have original music composed for it. So, yeah. I mean, isn't that exciting that you can create your own leitmotifs, uh, themes, um, and 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 uh, your songs can be consistent, your cues and all that. Uh, and That's for where, where, where perhaps on smaller budgets you would be reliant on library music. Correct. Oh. Where you would have to take existing um, kind of stock. It's the stock footage version of music where you would have to pick some things from a library and perhaps exactly. the viewing experience for someone who doesn't know what they're listening to they might feel this is a bit generic or disconnected or maybe it just feels keys feels like keys feels like other things that they've seen whether they oh, yeah. are aware of it or not on a youtube ad because <laughs> it probably literally is yeah um so you can create your own voice um yeah. Uh, uh, literally through the, the sound of that music. So interesting. So your another layer of storytelling really, uh, allowed for that. Mm. I mean, uh, so much so in Stella Murders, we um, uh, I was so personally moved by the connection I've developed with the family members, for example, that I wanted to write a song for them, a tribute for them, and okay. it comes from a, a very prominent moment in one of the interviews where um, uh, you know I kind of just told the the, um, the person, "Holnet, awesome, just take a breath." So, given when we were given this opportunity um, uh, to to write original music, I said, "Okay, cool. it's important for me to then write lyrics that I is a tribute to them." Mm. Um, so it, you actually got involved. Uh, oh yeah, I, I, I am a bit particular and yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, hands-on when it comes to you know. I I, I even edit a bit uh, during um, the post-production. So yeah, I like to be hands-on. I think because uh, we are quite small. Yeah. Crew, crew relative. So you wrote the lyrics to the song. Yeah, and then Edward George King, uh, very talented composer, wrote the music, uh, did the musical arrangement, and then he got Megan Danner on board. Um, she's a well-known singer from a band called the Rooksein, uh, huge in the Afrikaans market. Yeah, uh, beautiful voice, and she sang the song for us and beautifully translated the meaning behind it uh, yeah. for us. So it's basically a credit song as a tribute to Lovely. to the family members, and you know, so we. You know, I, I've also been in bands when I was uh, younger. Okay. Lovely. We weren't particularly great, so they all no, failed. No, 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 Weird fun fact. I don't know why this is coming to me now, but um, uh, it reminded me of um, the song "Field of G uh, Desert Rose," yeah. uh, Sting. Yes. And if you remember the song uh, "Desert Rose," it starts with um, a very famous uh, African singer. I forget his name. I don't think it was Bubba Mall. Someone yeah. who sings in that. That's Mumford and Sons' song. Yeah. yeah, it's that. I think I don't know whether it's Baba Mal, yeah. but it's 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 a very famous African singer who sang in a vernacular of his country, be it Mali or or one of the central North African countries, 
Um, they and they um, didn't really communicate. He heard the song. He didn't quite understand the lyrics because he didn't speak that much English. But he freestyled this intro, which is what made the final um, cut of Sting's Desert Rose. And then when Sting said, that sounds great. What is he saying? Translated, he was speaking almost about the exact same thing which was wow. this idea of a rose in the desert. I love those stories. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and also, goosebumps. Actually. Yeah, and also, um, you know, even something as commercial and as huge as My Heart Will Go On, that was, uh, James Cameron was very much a part of that, the writing of that song. Um, he was very involved in it. It was very much his song that she did. Yeah, I think that's the unique aspect this, uh, and, and, and why I think members of the public don't always understand what, people do in what the uh, different genres you know, some some genres um, you're much more hands-on and some you're just part of a much bigger team um, but I mean to so 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 th how big of a moment that is uh, professionally for somebody like me for example to, to have had that opportunity is something I don't take for granted and, and so it's uh, yeah a lot of uh, you know it's, it's yeah it's an honor actually and and so more so you want to do it justice. Um, what's next? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I always joke just maybe as a as a closer is sort of where you at now. Is there is there something else? Are you in between? Um, it is in are between. You? Yeah, okay. uh, I think uh, generally um, I'm working on development of on on uh, on several projects. Um, they're always ongoing. Some make it, some don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so some might some might fizzle out. Yeah. Or some might. Have to be scheduled, yeah. And then sometimes on short notice, then you ask to actually join a, a, a job. Um, uh, yeah, well, I always joke like after Devil's Dorp, I said I want to do something light. Yeah. I yeah. ended up doing Survivor South Africa, which is the most difficult show in South Africa, the yeah. largest show in South Africa to do, most technical one. And then, um, um, yeah, so after Stalin Murders, I also said, like, okay, cool, I want to <laughs> maybe just do something light. Yeah. But of course, um, the traction that that true crime ha has there is there is a lot of um, but especially if you someone that's doing it well because you're doing it right because you have the brain and you have the heart that um you. you you obviously the right guy to to do this okay yeah well i so think there, are, there you, ba are you back in that world now are you going to be doing something similar i think i'll never be out of that world okay um but i i, I will balance it with with maybe things that that people might not necessarily know that i'm a part of cool <laughs> okay but stuff's can you talk about it or do uh, you want to I, uh, I like my life say NDA at the moment okay <laughs> no I love you well listen well, then we we're going to have you back to talk about the next one when it comes out might take a while but uh, this sure, is, these, these are long processes do. but uh, yeah yeah no, we, we want to make sure we do to do the stories justice and of course uh, provide proper entertainment for the viewers as well we want to uh, it's, it's don't that disappoint line. them. Yeah, That's the well. other line, as I said, is to sort of do do the do the um, subjects right, but do the audiences right too, yeah. and give them something that that they can get something to take away from. So because they're also people, and they, uh, and you, you know, there's also value that they can um, grab from from uh, projects like these. I think so, mm. uh, and those are very real considerations. I think. Yeah. So no pressure, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Um, David, thank you for popping in. I don't want to keep up more of your time, but it was so great to meet you and properly. <laughs>
um, sometimes those moments in when there's an event, they can be a bit overwhelming, and you meet <laughs> lots of people, and you don't always remember who's who. But this you was had a good chance. coffee back then as well. So What's I, that? You had good coffee. Good. Uh, I remember. No, good coffee, great space. Thank you. We're very proud of our offerings in that regard. Um, so yeah, we'd love to have you back for for similar kind of events to show people. We'd, we're always available as a cinema for that. But but um, let's get you visiting the the podcast on the on the next one. Well, thank you, Russell, and thank you for the opportunity to chat, and thank you for what you're doing uh, in the viewing space as well. Cool, no. It's exciting to have an independent cinema like this uh, in in Johannesburg. So, so well done. Keep it up. Thanks, man. Okay, we'll see you soon. Cheers, Russell. Cheers. Okay. Cool. Lovely chat. Mm. Great dude. Mm. <laughs> it makes you want to watch Stella Murders. Yeah. It really does because it's a, it's it's a super interesting moment that happens in this town, and it's this lovely slow burn of a film. Cool. As this story slowly unravels, and it's less sensationalist. Where uh-huh. you know Devil's Door had all the f- craziness of this weird character, weird yeah. hair, and <laughs> Satanism, and all of this. This is just this like slow burn that just you know, works its way through this town. It's very interesting. I think also the magic of Devil's Dorp was the title. Yes. It is a genius yeah. title. I was about to say, because he does bring up the fact that calling calling a Devil's Dorp actually goes back like yeah, a back, long time. Back to the early 1900s. Yes. Yeah. To sort of, uh, it was a it was a British term about the revelry of, of these crazy dudes and mm. this crazy town. And yeah, it's very interesting. And we need to read our history books more. Right. Or I just, don't know enough. Or just listen to... <laughs> no, just, just yeah, watch no. the series, listen to the podcast. Listen yeah. to the podcast. No, no. But it's all about, yeah, the discussions and the, and how it just opens up all these great discussions for us to talk about. Mm. Mm. And it did that. You know, people were talking about it, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, okay, chaps, there's very cool stuff coming out yeah. on the horizon. But yeah. for, to just anything more, you perhaps want to just talk about about spider-man my goodness yeah there's so much to say about it i think that for me like more than i think with ai happening after the first film and now happening during or before this next one yes like just seeing how like those um mid journey and those ai apps work in terms of like scanning the whole internet to like curate a look yes and then like bring it together to create one thing Mm -hmm. i feel like that's kind of like the sense you get watching it because there's so much culture represented in it yeah. throughout history. It's art movements like that you recognize like in Spider-Punk who's played by Daniel Kaluuya yeah. who's like the coolest Spider-Man yes. in that movie. Like I want a standalone movie with him. <laughs> it's like he's made out of like magazine cutouts like yeah. very Sex Pistols cover arty. Oh, rad. And that's integrated in this 3D animated movie yeah. like shamelessly. Like what you'd think that cinematically we're used to a coherent visual style. Yes. Whereas yeah, this... Yeah, like you've picked one and, and you go with it. Exactly. Um, so so the idea is that, obviously, the first... And this can really only be done in the animated world oh, as yeah. opposed to live action. Yeah. But the idea is that we've broken open this multiverse where there's many different forms of Spider-Man and there's lots of different kinds. And so that opens up the chance for the filmmakers to play with visual styles for each of them. Yeah, like exactly. One of them was like a sort of porky pig... Yes. Ridiculous one. Yes. One's more anime, or yeah. one's more like okay. So now we now we get ourselves 
like a punk rock yes. Spider-Man. And, and yeah. the other thing that you're getting is in that first one, we saw characters. And you still get characters in different styles in this one. But we also go to worlds with different styles. Yes. Entire like the, yes. different universes that are done in completely different visual styles. We didn't go to Gwen Stacy's. No. Okay. So that that was something I felt like really different. I was trying yes. to remember if I saw this before. No, it's it's new to this one. So it's like much softer, like almost watercolor. Yeah, like pastely. Like, yes. And, and like what's beautiful wild, things happen. Yeah, it, oh dude, what's wild about it is it's changing almost every single shot. Like the, the colors are changing, like shot to shot in, in like the Gwen Stacy universe. Yes. But it's not like... Registering. Well, it is registering, but it's not like you, you would think going from like a color palette in one shot to a totally different color palette in another shot yes. would be like jarring and unpleasant to look and at. And it's not. It, but it looks but incredible. that's like the whole thing with this movie for me that mm. I was trying to understand last night. Yes. Is it's moving at like a mile an hour. Well, like well, not a mile an hour. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it feels like, I don't know, for me, it just makes a lot of sense with like scrolling TikTok on an infinite scroll where you're seeing mm. so many millions of different things. And this like operates in a similar way. It's cutting, it's moving. Yeah. It's a difference. Like you're saying in a conversation where we cut to the dad, to Gwen, to the dad, yes. to Gwen, there's a different background in every single one of those cuts. Yeah. Right? And even the colors, the characters are shaded in different colors. Yes. Wow. And it's like, what is the thing that we are looking at between cuts? Yes. And what are we engaging with here? Yeah. I think this a, film understands that. It's a testament to what visual shit is going in front of its audience all yeah. the time. Yes. Where you're scrolling quickly every second, you're going to a new video on Instagram yeah, or I think, TikTok. Yeah, I think we've become very good at visually processing things very quickly. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, what I like about this movie, for one thing, it's quite long. Especially for an animated movie, it's like two hours and 20 minutes, mm. which is long you for an animated feel the film. Length. And it's also half a movie. You know, it's like half the story. Exactly. You know, but, but what that allows them to do is there are scenes in this film that kind of play out in a more like measured way that you never see that I have certainly never seen in animated animated movies before mm. like the conversational scenes between characters uh, when things quiet like down they're, yeah they they kind of let them like breathe and play out like the character like the scenes between Miles and his parents yeah like and even between like Miles's parents and between Miles and Gwen like these like dialogue scenes that play out that are these like extended dialogue scenes yes you know that you just don't see in animated films like ever you don't you know it, it it's really it's insane to like process it's good mm. that you brought that up because the action stuff that happens, yes. it's, it's happening so quickly and there's mm. things you won't register. And sometimes it feels like it steps into anime where it's just like the action is not lucid. It's about yeah. like a flash of movements. Yes. Yeah. It's so quick. But then they'll go into like a 20-minute character scene yes. with slow cuts, like a calm background. Mm. And it feels like you can feel it as a viewer. You just completely settle and water down mm. into the space of listening to characters. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. like, it's in contrast yes. that these directors understand how well to engage with people. And it's cool that they've, that they've upped the game and, and delivered on something new. Yes. Constantly, yeah. constantly evolving. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing about this movie is it's funny. Oh, it's so like funny. it is consistently really funny. Yeah. And what's cool about it is it's funny in a way like we used to mar- like superhero movies being comedic because of the way Marvel does it. Like little quips here and there. Yeah, like the quippy characters, that, that Iron Man sort of character. But because this is animated, they get to do visual comedy in a way that we don't see in superhero movies. Oh, the horse. The horse is a great Jesus. example. Like you cry laughing. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's no, okay. brilliant. Well, then I, I should have joined you. I'm sorry. You should have. It's um, tremendous, dude. Speaking of sort of tone and and... And, and sort of capturing, you know, like today's society and, and what mm. it's like to sort of doom scroll on, <laughs> on, on TikTok or, or Instagram. Um, I thought a film that, that very accurately just 
conveys a, a, a feeling is um, this new uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, the, the, the film adaptation of the book. Okay. Um, I never read the book. The book was no. a phenomenon. Um, and I was, I was chatting to my mom who read the book. And I said, does the movie do it justice? And she said, it really does to sort of have you feel like you know the marsh, the swamp. It's all about being in okay. the Southern American um, marshlands. Mm. And this woman who grows up effectively on her own in the marsh. Oh, is okay, that what I was going to say, can you give yeah. us a back of the box? Because right ba- now, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it's about singing crustaceans. <laughs> <laughs> I know Quick. nothing about yeah, this. Yeah, and I knew nothing as well, which was quite cool to go into. That happens very rarely. Yes. Um, uh, very quick back of the box it's uh, all about a main character a woman who effectively finds herself growing up on her own right um in a ooh 30s 40s it's quite a while ago it's set it's set starts the story starts quite quite far back in time uh, many decades ago and and um doesn't want to leave the marshlands nice. um and um yeah, she's a little extradited from her town in the way in which it kind of almost feels a little bit like the Owl House, you know, a new Potesta. There's that sort of person who lives on the edge of town that, that the town doesn't quite sort of understand right. or appreciate. Mm. And so she's known as the Marsh Girl. Right. And um, characters come into her life, men. Um, it's very largely a love story right. um, in that regard. But it's about her life. The movie is about her life. And effectively the trial where, where the, a, a guy she's romantically linked with um, is found dead. And people immediately think she did it. Uh, she's uh, the it was in the marsh. She's this weird marsh girl. And so it's about the trial to, to prove her, her innocence. Oh, okay. Um, but just, yeah, great. I liked it. That sounds like it was, an amazing story. Yeah, it's a lovely story. And, and um, yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but it's 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 got it's got lots of layers to it. And, okay. And 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 yeah. from a plot perspective, it's 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 keeps you. Okay. From, from looking at the poster, it seemed like a a period piece to me, mm. and I'm always here for a period piece. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's the period. Is this? I, I forget exactly when, but it it's got a sort of maybe mid century confusion right. yeah. to it. Yeah. And you saw this on Netflix. It is now on Netflix. Yeah. Cool. So it's uh yeah as I said famous book that's now. You know, the movie got commissioned very quickly, oh, okay. and I was afraid that perhaps it was done a bit too quickly. Right? You know, yeah, you have to wonder what the interest is there. Sometimes get, get banged out because it's popular, because it's now. Yeah. Yes. But um, I, I thought it was great. Cool. It, it really delivers. Nice. That's awesome. Um, a lot of other cool new stuff. Uh, morning show, which was the Jennifer Aniston, uh, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell show. Um, on um, Apple TV Plus. Uh, oh, that was, was one of their first like big shows. It was the first one yeah. that Apple TV brought out and it was all about the controversy of Steve Carell uh, being inappropriate and being kind of cancelled. Uh, and um, yeah, a smart show. That's now back for season three. Okay. Ooh, I'm excited about uh, New Black Mirror. Oh, oh right. stunning. Yeah, season six now. I still Jeez. haven't got through all of them. I haven't got through oh, any of them. Oh, my God. oh, I'm so jealous of you guys. You've got like so much to take in. It's, and so it's interesting now. They know how to frame Black Mirror now. It's not a show. They deliver it like they say you've got six or five. I don't know how many are commissioned now. But they like, these are films. 
Oh, 100%. They're like, they're like these are, because it's an anthology. Yes. yes. So each episode is a, is a different story. They it's play Twilight out like films. Style. Yeah. And, um, and so you've got these four new films or five new films. Oh, it's, it's very exciting. exciting. No, and cool. it's, it's a remember, hard pill to swallow, but they're so good. All of them are so good. The one I watched last was San Junipero. Yeah. And um, it was partly shot in Cape Town. Oh, was it? Mm. Michael showed it to me because he taught a critical thinking class at Wits on it. Oh, How weird is that? No, they, these are all going to be. And yeah. Every single episode of Black Mirror is or will be sort of addressed in a sort of worldwide conversation because they are all speaking to current things in our ever-changing world. Mm. The, the premise of it, if, if you don't know, is that it's an anthology series, so every episode's different, but they're all kind of a near-future um, dystopian look at sort of where society's going to go. Mm. But it's near-future. It's not... Not too distant. It's not too distant. That's, that's what what's I, scary. I love about how it focuses science fiction as a genre back to like what it is instead mm. of like like Star Wars. Like yes. I think people think that's what science fiction is. Yes. But mm-hmm. science fiction in its lit, like literature sense is about projecting us into our future to make a commentary about how we use technology now. Yeah. And how mm. it's changing us. Yeah. Is it good yeah, or like, is it bad? If you go back and read like HG Wells and that sort of thing, mm. it's all social commentary stuff. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Like but War it's of the Worlds is about colonialism. Yes. You know? Exactly. It's crazy just to, because like we all know it now, Black Mirror refers to the cell phone screen that's off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's the appeal of the discussion, right? Is we can recognize ourselves yes. in these episodes. Mm. And it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we worked at a virtual reality company and San Junipero is about that virtual reality illusion. Right. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, would you or wouldn't you do this? like to live after death kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It's such a cool discussion, man. Yeah. Oh. Another thing um, just to mention now, um, because I know that this has come up before where Graham has said he really wished he had a warning. Um, Encounters is coming. Oh, cool. The documentary film festival. Yes. Um, and of course the Bioscope uh, has always been a, a venue for it. Um, screenings will start on the 23rd. Some screenings have already sold out. Sorry. Oh, wow. Graham. <laughs> but uh but yeah in terms of kind of what we're talking about having these you know having these products that create these discussions that are important reflections of what's going on documentary is obviously a huge part of it um and the chat with david also just speaks to the importance of documentary in in creating these discussions that we sort of have to have mm. even if the discussion is within yourself yeah. oh, totally <laughs> you know and, um, Hold a mirror to me, baby. <laughs> yeah, and so the the Bioscope um, is is proud to be a, a venue for Encounters, which is a South African-run documentary film festival. It's one of the longest-running festivals um, in South Africa, celebrating 25 years. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, and the Bioscope's done the last 13. Nice. Um, I think the only one we so skipped cool. was 2020, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, uh, so, yeah, so tickets are at thebioscope.co.za cool. for those. Um, Aren't you also screening Jurassic Park soon? Yes. So, so when this episode comes out, uh, it will be the coming Sunday of of this week. Yeah, this this coming Sunday because we are celebrating thirty years of Jurassic Park. It's insane, and I've never seen it in a movie theater before. Well, that's why I thought we had to bring yeah. it back. So, because it it has to be watched on a big screen. Yes, it does. Didn't you? Uh, okay, so Graham has this thing where I can't remember who I watch movies with. <laughs> no, I didn't watch it with you when you saw the 3D version. Okay, thank you. I knew that's what you were going to ask. It was one of those times where 
we hadn't known each other that long and okay. you didn't understand geography. So oh. you were like 15 minutes before the movie, you're like, dude, we're going to go watch this movie. I'm like, cool, it's going to take me half an hour to get there. <laughs> you don't understand <laughs> geography. <laughs> oh, man. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, seeing it in 3D was incredible because mm. uh, you could see how Steven Spielberg shot with depth in mind, even though it was 2D and 3D wasn't a thing 30 years ago. Yeah. So it just accentuated this When did quality. the 3D reboot come out? 25th anniversary, I would imagine. No, 20th anniversary. 20th anniversary. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. That was 2013. That was after we graduated. Oh, my word. No, yeah. stop talking. <laughs> it's um, wild, eh? No, it's, it's wild it's to crazy. think that this movie is older than quite a lot of people you yeah. know. I remember <laughs> when I was, yeah. Oh, my word. When I was uh, around, when Lost World came out. Yes. In 95? 97. Okay, so I would have been six. And I remember my parents saying to me categorically no you're not watching it it's like pg that was my experience with the first jurassic park i oh, was six wild. when jurassic park came out <laughs> and parents were like no which was the right choice but i was still mad about no, it but then i convinced them because nice. i don't i remember the the feeling of it being i'm a child and it's a movie about dinosaurs let yes. me see it yeah and like look at all the toys that they're for me <laughs> let me see it and i saw There's it and i was like terrified i was really? so scared yeah, yeah. <laughs> was a good idea yeah no in the last episode we released um who was it? I think it was Shannon Ezra who said that um, Jurassic Park like freaked out. Oh yeah, she was just so afraid that like when yeah. she closed her eyes, like she was going to get eaten by a dinosaur. <laughs> 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 All right, um, magic, my guys. Thank you for everything. Is mm. there anything else to mention at this point? I do want to mention something else. Yeah. Cole, <laughs> on the on Letterboxd, I see you rated the Mario, or the Super Super Mario Brothers, not the Mario Brothers movie. The new animated one, the original live action Super Mario Brothers, four out of five stars. Yes. Explain oh, wow. yourself. <laughs> oh, wow. I think if that movie didn't have an association with that IP, yes. I think it would be fine. People would be so chilled with it. Mm. Like they would have such a great time. But yes. like went into it. I'm not like precious about a little side scrolling game. Yeah. You know, I think it's like the fandom for it is a little... I'm, I'm just, I don't get it. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the live-action film yes. for Super Mario Brothers that came out in like the 90s. Yeah, like 94, 95. John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins. How do you pronounce his surname? John Leguizamo. 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 Okay. And Bob Hoskins. Bob and Hoskins. Dennis Hopper. And Dennis Hopper. And Dennis Hopper. There's, there's a quote that I put in my letterbox review which, where he said, I love mud. It's clean and it's dirty at the same time. <laughs> I thought to myself, this is insane. This movie is ridiculous. Like, that's the villain monologue that he's yes. like using to himself. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. In this world, sorry, um, instead of, so two parallel universes collide under New York City, okay, yes. where Mario is a plumber. Um, and then they have to go rescue this woman who would be representing Peach, I guess, yeah. um, from this world. But in this other parallel universe, lizards evolved into people, not yes. apes. Okay, so the bad guy de-evolves his henchmen from people into these like liz walking lizard people. And it's so ridiculous. It's so camp. It's so stupid. Yeah. It is so ridiculous, but it's like knee-slappingly funny. Mm. I, I cannot believe how silly it was. And like Bob Hoskins is the most endearing actor in history. I oh, think. he's lovely, yeah. dude. It's no, like, he's like, like a... who framed Roger Rabbit? He's so good in that. Right? It's, it's, he's so likable yeah. instantly. And that happens here, where it's mm. just a plumber. And the game's premise is stupid. So if you have to <laughs> adapt that in the 90s into a live action, either because I don't know why they didn't do animation, it obviously would have made more sense because yeah. you could have done 2D then because yes. it was a trend. Yeah. Why to make it live action? It's insane. So the writers clearly thought, let's make it as ridiculous as it seems on paper. Yeah. 
and it didn't no, do it didn't do well when it came out. It was weird. It was, it was very misunderstood. Yo. There was a lot of kind of fighting around the movie itself, and so it got a little bit lost. But it's weird that it's kind of clawing its way back into conversation. Yeah. I think you need to watch it as not an adaptation of Mario Brothers because it has oh, totally. nothing to do with Mario no. at all. And I think that's probably where it failed at the time is that yeah. everyone was was expecting it to be something a bit more on brand. Yes. But it, was just... it feels like the creators had like this idea and then they were high to do Mario Brothers and they were like, oh, let's just do that other idea we <laughs> yes. had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've always wanted to create this. From the right. creators of Max then, Headroom. Yeah, I saw that Tarantino with his podcast mm. um, did a new screening of it in Hollywood. Like, I can't remember when. But they say that he's also, like for the screening that he did, responsible for... Um, like reinvigorating it or giving it new life because he said when he opened the screening it just sold out within seconds people were lining up around the block to watch the Super Mario Brothers movie yeah because wow. I think so many people didn't watch it at the time because it failed yeah but they remember it mm. I remember I have a vivid memory of it being around the video store but it being like no you don't want to watch that it's weird it's so weird you know, I didn't die to watch it at the time yeah yeah but now, like, you want to watch it because yeah. it's super weird. Oh, and young, young John Leguizamo as Luigi is adorable. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, very handsome and endearing. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's very cute. Okay, so that's There's totally so worth it, that's a, a rewatch. That's fun. It's stupid. If you want to camp out, well, it's, it's campy is what I mean. If you yes. want to just have fun and watch something silly for date nights. Cool. I love this. Okay. Cool. Maybe that could be another... Um, Video, video store presents. presents. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Let's look to do that. Cool. Yeah. All right. Magic, guys. Cool. Lovely. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see you again next week. Yeah. Cool. Everyone go watch Spider-Man. It needs to do well. We need it to make a lot of money so that they Agreed. studios <laughs> can take risks again. Also, for it to not be the best movie of the year, something spectacular is going to have to happen. 100%. Interesting. Here. So you guys are, are, are touting it for best. Yes, It's do. the best so far. 100%. It's incredible. Okay. And there's so much more to come. We need like... I don't know, the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I don't know, something like next level to yeah. top this shit. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, thank you. And thanks for listening thus far. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we are the video store.co.za if you want to find a, a home base and join other um, communities. So we've got an Instagram and we've got uh, Facebook. Please chime in. Please let us know what you're watching. Let us know what you think of this episode. Mm. Fact check us. We mm. love to have a, a little chat afterwards. And uh, and real rate and review, that kind of stuff also means a lot and, and goes a long way for us. Yeah. And um and come on come on back next week. <laughs> next week's gonna be a, a goodie. Yeah. Next week is uh is the Kiffness. Yes. Which is which is gonna be a cool That's episode. Cool. Nice. Uh, okay, magic. All right. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, top of the morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. morning. What's that from? It's great to stay up late. It's from Singing in the Rain. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. morning. <laughs> I've never seen it. What? Never seen Singing in the Rain. So what's interesting about that is it's also, um, well, I don't know, like it's also got to do with our discussion about across the Spider-Verse, I think. Um, and I wanted, I'm cautious <laughs> of... launching straight into it. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, hold on. No, it's... It's a cool thought. Sorry. Now the moment's gone. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Because it's I, like I, the first, I fucked it. First I fucked it. A summary movie. It. Yeah, hard. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs>